Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is the founder of No Limits, and that's spelled L-I-M-B-I-T-S. After losing her leg in a car crash and realizing that her new prosthetic leg wasn't compatible with her existing wardrobe, she set out to create an adaptive apparel line, which got a deal on Shark Tank. Welcome to the show, Erica Cole. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. I actually, I saw that, well, I've seen every Shark Tank episode. It's actually my favorite show. And I remember yours stood out in particular to me because I actually have a nephew who was born like where the arm kind of cuts off right past the elbow. And so it, it kind of resonated with me in that sense. And then one of your people reached out to me and asked if you could be a guest and they started to explain who you were. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I've seen that episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. I know I gave a little bit of a background there, but can you kind of go into more detail about your background and, and how you started the company? Yeah, absolutely. So I was in a, my car accident in 2018. I lost my leg. I'm a left below knee amputee. For the first couple of years, I was actually a wheelchair user. And then when I started to use my prosthetic, because I had so much swelling, like it was just a really huge prosthetic. So like my calf was like the size of my head around. And it was just really difficult to get clothes that would A, fit over the top. But B, I was having to make a lot of prosthetic adjustments throughout the day. So I was just having a really difficult experience with that on top of all of the other things that I was having to learn as I was learning to use a prosthetic. I was actually going to the University of Iowa at the time. I was studying chemistry, so nothing to do with business or fashion or anything that I do now. But there was a pitch competition and it was there's like an entrepreneurial center on campus. And they were like, if you can pitch us a business, you could win $500. And to be honest, I was like, I could just use $500. I mean, I was like, this is a thing that should exist. My intention was not to go start a company. But then after being in that pitch competition, I ended up winning. And then the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Iowa just kind of took me under their wing. And I started just kind of slowly building this. And it was like, at first, kind of a small alterations business. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do kind of an Etsy thing on the side of my chemistry career. I was one year away from finishing my chemistry degree. I ended up finishing it at the same time as I was kind of starting the company. And then afterwards, it aligned that I had a job offer from Los Alamos National Lab. And then I also had an offer from Target Incubator to be in the Target Incubator program for the business. I was just like, there's something here and I need to see how far I could take it. So that was three years ago now and still building the business. We're six employees. We did a Kickstarter. We did Shark Tank. We've launched a lot of new products. We're now partnering with Walmart for Disability Pride Month. Like it snowballed in the best way. That's kind of a the long version of it. Wow, that's awesome. And so behind you there, that is that some of your genes that you create? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we have, I keep all of the samples and then we can kind of refer back to them yeah. for sure. Yeah. I just really love this idea. And also it's really affordable. I mean, it's not like really any more expensive than, I mean, the jeans are what, $50, $70, somewhere in there. So I think that's also good that it's affordable. It's not like $300 a pair or something like that. Yeah, thank you. And that's something that we've worked really hard at. Actually, it's taken a long time to get to a point where we're like, our battle cry has been like, accessible clothing should have an accessible price point. So thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah. So how do you, how are you able to, I know on Shark Tank, you mentioned that I guess they're made in Bangladesh. I don't know if that's still the case, but is that in part how you're able to, because you're obviously having to profit off of that. I think on Shark Tank, I I watched it again today before our call, and I think you had mentioned it was like 18 bucks to make a pair and then you sell them for like 70. So is that still the case or have there been any changes with that? Yeah, there have been a lot of changes, actually. You know, supply chain over the past couple of years has been probably the most difficult aspect of this business. And so now we source in a lot of different countries. And it's been interesting because I don't come from an apparel background. And so it's been really interesting to learn, like, different countries have different specialties. We're doing a lot of our seamless garments in Turkey and Portugal. So we're sourcing all over and working with the folks that have the specialized experience in whatever product that we're trying to get to market. And then we're also trying to have some more redundancies in the supply chain too, just because we saw everything break down and like the mouths were blocked and there are 53 ships outside of LA Harbor waiting to be unloaded. And it was just like really difficult to navigate as a, a small business. So yes, we still really work really hard on keeping our prices accessible and then also getting them in when we expect them to get in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that you offer are lower limb jeans and pants for lower limb differences, wheelchair and sensory processing disorder. Can you kind of go through what types of products you have for those? And especially like a lot of people probably don't know what sensory processing disorder is. So maybe if you could explain that. Yes, absolutely. I would love to. This is my favorite. Part. I love product. So our pants for people with lower limb difference, that's where we started. Simon Amputee was our first product to market. We shaped them to fit around, like I mentioned, my prosthetic was really bulky. It's just kind of a common theme. Shape them to fit around extra bulk. It's a super stretchy, comfortable material. And then we put hidden zippers on the inseam from the bottom hem about halfway up the thigh. And that's so folks can make those prosthetic adjustments throughout the day or can make adjustments to their AFOs, knee braces, anything that someone might have on their leg because of a lower limb difference. We also reinforced some areas to stand up to like carbon fiber parts and Velcro straps and whatever might be on someone's assistive device. So those are pants for lower limb difference. Our pants for wheelchair users, definitely the most technical product that we've made is just like pants have been designed for the standing body since pants were invented. And so we really, I mean, we 
have these conversations all the time. It's like, how does a body change when it's seated in a wheelchair from paralysis or limited mobility? And so we see some muscle atrophy in the legs, but someone's waist hasn't necessarily changed sizes. So it's a different fit model. It's a different grading rule. So when we size, the differences between sizes don't scale in the same way that they do on an able-bodied person. So we went all the way back to like, what are pants and how are they developed? And, and worked a lot on the sizing and grading. And then we put zippers on the outside from the waist, again, to about halfway down the thigh. So someone can fold the front open, do their own catheter changes. It's also more conducive to how an occupational therapist teaches someone to dress when they're paralyzed or have limited mobility. You're dressing, laying down on a dressing table a lot of times or on a bed. And so they're designed to be easier to put on in that position. And then we put some cool zippered side pockets because back pockets, obviously, when you're sitting all the time are super functional. Those are the, the wheelchair pants. And then our sensory collection, I'm super excited about. It was designed for anyone who has sensory processing disorders or sensory challenges. We often find that that's a comorbidity that exists with ADHD and autism. It can exist on its own. And until recently, most people thought that that was something that was outgrown. Our researchers are saying it was something that was outgrown when people got to adulthood. So we launched a kid's line, and but we were realizing that that wasn't actually the case. There are a lot of people who have sensory challenges into adulthood, but the product lines that existed for people with sensory processing disorders stopped when people were aging out of kids' clothing. So it's a lot of seamless, tagless, super soft, but also thermoregulating material. So you're not getting as hot or cold, feeling these extremes, it's a little more resistant to temperature changes. And it's also the thing that I love about our women's tanks specifically, they're designed to be worn as a bra substitute. So bras were a huge issue for people with sensory processing disorders. Actually, a huge issue for people with disabilities kind of across the board. So you're like, okay, instead of designing an accessible bra, let's take the broad of the equation and design something that's a little bit easier for folks to use across the board. So I wear it instead of a bra most days, which is yeah, super I mean, comfortable. Yeah. I I don't like normal bras. I wear sports bras now. <laughs> so I think I feel like that could be most women would probably <laughs> prefer. Yeah, some of your sides. We'll get you we'll get you <laughs> one. You can try one out. Oh awesome. <laughs> So on Shark Tank, you had mentioned there's 14 million people that have some sort of difficulty with everyday activities like dressing themselves. Is that number still? I mean, how long was that Shark Tank episode? That wasn't, that was like a year ago. I always, or not even that. I want to say 2021, September 2021 was when we filmed. But then it didn't air until like April 2022. So we're our number now is like around 30 million because we're including wow. those those folks with sensory issues. Mm. So that's the most recent estimate of how many people struggle with clothing because of sensory processing disorder or sensory sensitivities. So with your business, are you finding people will reorder a lot? I mean, obviously, I guess the genes probably last for quite a while. 
They do, but it's been really surprising to me in the best way. Every once in a while, we'll see an order come through. And the first time it happened, I sent this person a message. Because at the beginning, we only had three colors for... It was a, a gentleman, and he was ordering six pairs of pants. And I was like, did you mean to order this many? Like, we only have three colors. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to wear these every day and then wash them on Sunday. And it was just like such a cool... And so I've seen that happen several times and it's like that's when we know that we're really solving this problem it's like when that's someone's everyday wear it's just really cool to see that Mm -hmm. and another thing that you had mentioned on shark tank was that you had a patent pending i believe have you gotten that yet we have yeah so i need to to frame it actually (laughs) it's a really cool cool moment So what was it like being on Shark Tank? You got to deal with Mark and Emma. 10%. I think you went in asking for 100K for six. They countered with 12. Y'all agreed on 10. But I'm just kind of curious what the process is like of getting on the show and then being on and then like post-show. Are there further negotiations after that? And how has your business grown? And how have Mark and Emma and Emma for people who maybe watch Shark Tank, but not all the time. That was a guest judge that is on every now and then. She's not one of the regular ones, but yeah, I would just love to hear that experience. Yeah. So I'll go how I got on Shark Tank. Actually, we had launched a Kickstarter that year early in 2020, in spring of 2021. A producer from Shark Tank reached out to me while our Kickstarter was live and was like, hey, have you ever thought about being on Shark Tank? And I just kind of laughed because, you know, like if you have a startup, it's just the joke. And you're like saying you have a, a startup. People are like, oh, have you thought about going on Shark Tank? And it's just kind of like a haha, I wish, you know, kind of thing. So then when she reached out, I just kind of laughed. I was like, oh, I don't think this is. But then the curiosity got the better of me. And I was like, let's see what happens. And then six months later, I was flying to LA to film the show. And like you work on the pitch and the display and everything. And it's a very long process to get on the show. And I actually asked if I could defer because I was, we didn't have that many sales when we went on Shark Tank. I was kind of worried that we were going to get destroyed. So I was like trying to get these letters of intent and things like that to show traction in other ways because we had only had product available. Because like I said, we, they saw the video when we were launching the Kickstarter. So we didn't even have product yet when we were having these early discussions. We didn't have a lot of time to sell before actually going out to film. And then the day I went out there, you're sitting on the lot in like a trailer waiting to, and we, I mean, I got there super early in the morning. We didn't film to the afternoon and I'm just sitting there in the outfit and I'm like, like a board, like trying not to wrinkle myself <laughs> until, and knowing at any second they could knock on your door and be like, okay, it's time to film. And it was a very genuine experience, thought that they would at least kind of have a fact sheet on you or something. But it's genuinely the first time you're seeing the sharks, the first time they're seeing you, you're walking down that hallway like it's exactly as it is on the show. And they tell you, you know, you can say anything and they'll cut around it like it was a a very genuine experience, more so than I anticipated it to be for a TV show. And our filming was pretty short. I was only in there for like 25 minutes before we ended up getting the deal. And I was like, 
I wouldn't want it to be. <laughs> I was very satisfied with the outcome. We closed the deal pretty close to our air date. And you know, the airing was pretty crazy. We were working on getting more product in for that. We had like, I don't know, 30,000 people on our site within like three seconds or something. Like before I even started talking on Shark Tank, the signs had no limits on them. So like people were Googling us before I even started talking on the, the air date. It was insane. And it's been an amazing experience working with them afterwards too. Like I get asked all the time is, are you still working with them? And I can say like, yeah, like Mark responds to every email that I send, which is nuts. And Emma is just the best mentor you could possibly ask for. She's the co-founder of Good American with the Kardashians for folks that don't know. And it, it's just been a phenomenal experience working with them. Couldn't ask for a, we call them the dream team. If we ever have a question on the, you know, we'll have a team meeting. They'll be like, what do we think we should do with this? And I'll be like, I'll ask the dream team. <laughs> They're really great. So like, how often do you meet with them? And is it just like a Zoom call situation? Or like, do you meet in person every now and then? I went out to see Emma last fall. And I actually work with a lot of her team members at Good American. Like, So, mm -hmm. so I bounce ideas off of like, she's like, oh yeah, I use my team. So like her... Her team is just insanely qualified for what they're doing, and they're all very kind. So I kind of go back with her CFO and her design person and, like, get feedback on these different aspects of the business. I went out to see her last fall and visit Good American Headquarters, which was just so cool to see. And then Mark and I go back and forth on email about once a month. I usually send, like, a an update, and he'll have responses to that and if something comes up along the way he's always like just incredibly fast to respond I think it hasn't been more than like six minutes from me stepping an email to his response yeah it's he is always on it wow he, does he maybe have like a separate email address just for his shark tank deals or something that maybe alerts him when he gets I think he emails like the rest of us text and i think he's just always wow yeah kind of in that mode it's impressive it really is wow well yeah that's that's awesome so like how has your business grown then since then i don't know if you want to give numbers or percentage or whatever yeah i mean in terms of milestones it was just me when i went out to film Shark Tank. Now we're a team of six. We also have, I mean, the team's probably the thing that I am proudest of, like very qualified people on our team and just like passionate people. So that's been really cool. We've launched a lot of new products, like 14 new products since Shark Tank, because we have kind of talked about the things that were coming out, but we hadn't launched the wheelchair or sensory products yet. And then we're working with a lot of retailers now, too. So I'm really excited this month with Walmart. Walmart's launching their adaptive experience. And we're a highlighted brand within that experience, which has been really cool to be a part of this. Adaptive clothing is starting to become more of a, a category, like a mainstream part that retailers are, are paying attention to instead of, you know, before it's been just is a new space overall and to see it from just a, a couple of small startups to large retailers paying attention to this has been a cool thing to be a part of 
Wow. So did Mark and Emma, were they kind of, did they help you get that Walmart deal or how did that work? It's really interesting. I think Mark and Emma lended a lot of credibility to the company when we aired, where large retailers might be a little hesitant to work with a, a startup of our side. I mean, we're pretty small still. Where compared to Walmart, where retailers might be a little hesitant to work with us, I think when they were starting to look at this adaptive space, because we have this association with Mark and Emma, they're like, oh, they can handle this. We have a little bit more trust and credibility than maybe we did before. So I think that's the biggest part. And then obviously when this opportunity came about, I sent them an email. I think the question, the subject line was like, Walmart question mark. It's just like, so how do we how do we approach this? And then we kind of work together on on thinking through how to maximize that opportunity. And they've definitely given me given me a lot of feedback along the way. So it's been cool to have them on our team because otherwise I'd be like, oh, I don't know if we're ready for this. But like we've been, I think, dodging a lot of bullets because of their experience. So it's it's less risky than it was before just because they've seen so many things in their experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious, like when you started the company, so were you making these clothes by hand or how did that, the very beginning stages, how did that look? Yeah, for the first year, I was doing just alterations on a sewing machine. So I would alter clothes that folks would would bring to me their own clothing that would, they would like to be altered. And then kind of version two of that was, I was very proud of this. I bought overstock clothing from retailers that had small imperfections in them. So retailers weren't going to sell them, but they were imperfections that were like, you know, they weren't gaping holes or anything like that. I was like, oh, maybe a couple of stitches were missed or maybe there was a, they were a little dirty or something like that. So I bought these overstock clothes for pretty cheap. And then I started altering those and then listing them on a website to sell. And I would like fix whatever issue, you know, if they were dirty, I would obviously wash them and clean them. I would fix whatever the imperfection was and then do the alteration and then sell them as kind of a proof of concept, like MVP kind of thing, just to prove that there was so that's what I spent the five hundred dollars on when I won that first pitch competition. I was like these overstock clothes that I could alter and then sell to to prove out the concept. So that was the entire first year, and then I started to realize I was doing the same thing to all of these clothes. A lot of my customers were amputees. And I was doing the same thing over and over again. I was like, I really want this to be a ready to wear product that we have a little more control over than the overstock stuff. And so that's when we launched the Kickstarter. And then that's when we made the transition into ready to wear. And it, we learned a lot from that. It's been going pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. So would you say bootstrapped it initially, at least? Or uh, what was the... Yeah, I mean, it started from that $500 mm -hmm. pitch competition. And then that was all the way through. So I started in 2019. I was funded on pitch competitions. We didn't get our first check until... Because I did fundraise eventually. And obviously with, with Shark Tank, we had fundraised a little bit before Shark Tank. So the first two years, it was all bootstraps and, and pitch competition. And then we took our first investment in middle of 2021. Okay. So do you 
currently have any products that aren't out yet that you're working on or thinking about as far as what you can share anyway? Yes, I am particularly excited for, we're working on a really cool coat for people with limited range of motion or dexterity in their hands. It's like, really, there's hardly anything out there in the adaptive space in terms of outerwear. And we just really went to the drawing board on on this coat and we designed it so that like you know you think about this motion of reaching backwards to put your arms and sleeves and things like that like that's a difficult movement for a lot of folks and then like zippers and buttons and it's like finicky so we've got like a magnetic closure on it so you really you there is a zipper on it if it's really cold the, the zipper magnets together at the bottom so you just have to pull on it up or if you don't even want to do that it also has a magnetic placket down the front so you just get the two sides close enough and it magnets together and that's pretty honestly I, i've been playing with the sample a lot when i use it i like to just magnet up the front and it's just different it's just something that hasn't been done and adaptive really before and it's really excited about the price point of it and the quality of it and like i'm kind of an out door geek kind of i'm a big gearhead i love rei <laughs> those like technical jackets and fabrics and things um and so there was just a lot put into this coat that i'm very excited for coming out later this year oh wow i would think even for people with like arthritis and stuff like stuff like oh, that. oh 100 percent yeah, yeah. The, and that's the thing too is there are a lot of people that could benefit from adaptive clothing that might not even recognize that like we think of people with disabilities but also the aging population and we think of aging in place aging at home folks with arthritis or even just like grip strength becomes a, an issue if you there are a lot of people that can benefit from this. I'm just 40, but I feel like my grip strength is already starting to diminish. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like maybe I need that jacket. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, there, and that's been a, a theme in not just adaptive clothing, but just products for people with disabilities overall. When they're done well, there's a huge overlap between not just people with disabilities benefiting, but everyone benefiting like we think the classic example is like text messages texting was invented for deaf folks but then everybody texts you know like that's been a, a benefit to everyone and so our sensory clothing for example because we designed it for people that are very sensitive to sensory inputs it's actually a really great outdoor great workout clothes great hiking clothes because they're not chafing they're resist moisture we created this product for the specific population but then it's really great for everybody and that's kind of a common thing that we see in the adaptive space which is cool mm -hmm. well i appreciate your time and people can find your clothing at no dash limits l-i-m-b-i-t-s dot com exactly uh, and I'll also include in the show notes, I'll have the video from Shark Tank, just because I think that would be fun for oh, people cool. to see. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It was really fun to meet you. Thank you so much. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners 
share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.